0: Hi, I'm Paul Ellard. Welcome to Our Queen, Our Mother, the graces of the Blessed Virgin Mary. In our sessions, we will be exploring the topic of the Blessed Virgin Mary and why she is important to the Christian faith. With each talk, we will try and open up and explain in simple terms the Catholic Church's teaching on the Blessed Virgin Mary. So welcome to the program, and let us begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. A loving God, we give you thanks and praise for all the ways that you pour your love on us, especially through your church and the graces that you offer us. And you do all this, Lord, for our salvation, to show your love for us, and so that we have all the graces we need to come close to you, to know your love, and experience your love. We thank you, Lord. We thank and we praise you. We thank you especially for the gift of your Blessed Mother. As we join with all the angels and saints as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. Our Lady of Mount Carmel, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we're going to continue looking at part two of Marian devotions. Last time we looked at novenas, and this week I thought we could continue by looking at the brown and green scapulars and see why they have become part of the Church's tradition. But before we do this, There's one important topic that we really need to cover Otherwise we won't have laid a very solid foundation And that's the whole topic of sacramentals Now sacramentals, not to be confused with sacraments The seven sacraments of the church Sacramentals are things like Candles, crucifixes, statues, holy oils and holy water Candles, incense, relics And of course religious articles like scapulars. So perhaps we should start with statues of Jesus and Mary and the saints. How do we answer the questions from our well-meaning non-Catholic Christian friends when they ask us why do you Catholics worship statues? When scripture says, and our friends will quote us Exodus 20 verse 4, you shall not make for yourself an idol, or a likeness of anything in the heavens above, or on the earth below, or in the waters beneath the earth. And continuing verse 5, You shall not bow down before them, or serve them. So herein lies the problem for our many non-Catholic Christians. They seem to think that because we pray with a statue in front of us, that somehow we are praying to the statue itself. As if the statue somehow is alive, or able by itself to give us some kind of power. Now, of course, that's a nonsense understanding, but we have to help our friends see the Catholic position. And probably the best way is to ask a question like this to a person. Do you have a picture at home of your husband or wife or your mother? And, of course, they'll answer yes. And then you say to them, well, do you for even one moment think that that picture itself is actually your mother, or actually your loved one?" And I answer, well of course we don't. You say, well neither do we Catholics. <laughs> we are not under the illusion that a statue or an image or a painting of Jesus is actually Jesus. Now if the picture of their loved one is very special to them because it links with a special loving memory they may even like to give the photo a little kiss. But never would it enter their minds that this picture was a real person. It's just a ridiculous and comical even to suggest it. And well, it's the same for us when people tell us that we're worshipping a statue. I have to say, in all my years as being a Catholic and travelling to many places of pilgrimage across many different cultures, I've seen people do many strange things, but I'm yet to meet anyone who worships a statue. But if we go back to scripture, if we look at Exodus 25:18, we actually see the situation where God orders the Israelites to make two golden angels to place on top of the Ark of the Covenant. Now the Ark of the Covenant, as you know, was the most sacred object in the Old Testament. And then later in Numbers 21, 8 to 9, the Lord says to Moses, Make a seraph and mount it on a pole, and everyone who has been bitten will look at it and recover. And accordingly, Moses made a bronze serpent, mounted it on a pole, and whenever the serpent bit someone, the person looked at the bronze serpent and recovered. And then in 1 Kings 6:23 to 29 verses 35, and then later in chapter 7, verse 29, the Lord commands that two golden angels be made, And in verse 35, the Lord commands a carved angel to be plated with gold. And these were instructions in regards to Solomon's temple. And this is a place for public worship. So what's happening here? Is the Bible contradicting itself? Well, not at all. It's just that the Bible has to be properly understood. And the Lord is telling us that we shouldn't bow down and worship idols. But at the same time, the Lord is encouraging aids to prayer. But there's also another key factor in all of this. Before the second person of the Blessed Trinity took flesh and became man, no one knew what God was like. God the Father had to keep teaching the Israelites that God was more than their limited concept of what they think a deity should be like. But of course when Jesus becomes incarnate, then we have a real image of what God looks like. In John's Gospel, Jesus says to his Apostles, If you have seen me, then you have seen the Father. Now obviously, Jesus doesn't mean that God the Father has a similar physical appearance. But Jesus is saying his qualities are the same as God the Father. That's the whole point. When we see Jesus in a painting or statue, we're not thinking that the statue is somehow a God. But we are reminded about Jesus and his qualities and all that we've been taught about him from sacred tradition and sacred scripture. These qualities are indeed the true reflection of who God the Father is. We can say then, adoration is only ever given to God our creator, never to creatures or things. Veneration, however, is given to honest saints because of their closeness to Almighty God. Sacramentals have no magical power in them. However, the church teaches that sacramentals can be the occasion of God's grace, even miracles. And we can verify this by looking at scripture. Let's look at 2 Kings 13 verses 20 to 21. There we read that the use of the bones of Elisha brought a dead man back to life. And in Matthew nine twenty to twenty two, we read about the woman who was cured of her hemorrhage by simply touching the hem of Christ's cloak. Then a little bit later in Acts five verses fifteen to sixteen, we read that the sick were healed when Peter's shadow passed over them. And in Acts nineteen eleven to twelve we read that cloths that were touched against the skin of St. Paul were applied to the sick and the possessed and were healed. So it's very much a part of scripture and part of sacred tradition within our church but of course always properly understood. According to the Catechism number 1677, sacramentals are sacred signs instituted by the church to prepare us to receive the fruit of the sacraments and to sanctify different circumstances in our lives. So sacramentals are not superstitions or holdovers from some pre-christian era or catholic substitutes for pagan rituals. Sacramentals are closely connected to the sacraments of the catholic church. Many sacramentals such as holy oils, blessings, candles and incense are used in the celebration of the sacraments. Sacramentals, like the sacraments, are also external signs through which people can receive God's grace and blessings, as we've said. However, sacramentals do not confer blessings or grace in the same manner as the sacraments do. For those of you who may have a copy of the Baltimore Catechism, there's an explanation very short and to the point about sacramentals. This is in paragraph 469. Sacramentals are holy things or actions of which the Church makes use to obtain for us from God, through her intercession, spiritual and temporal favours. The sacraments obtain favours from God through the prayers of the Church, offered for those who make use of them, and through the devotion they inspire. So the chief benefits then obtained are five points. Firstly, actual graces. Two, the forgiveness of venial sins. Three, the remission of temporal punishment. Four, health of body and material blessings. And five, protection from evil spirits. And so these sacramentals then, can be in the form of objects but they can also be in the form of actions and of blessings. Obviously one of the oldest and most familiar sacramental action or holy action is the sign of the cross. This basic action is a profession of our faith and identifies us immediately as Christian. In liturgical functions, and sacraments like anointing of the sick, the priest will make the sign of the cross either in the air or on a person's palm or forehead. Other sacred actions are sprinkling of holy water, bowing the head, kneeling, genuflecting, folding the hands and any other gestures or postures that people generally assume while they pray. And We're all very familiar with these and we take them all for granted but if we stop and think about them, they're quite powerful in what they express to others and even what they say to us as we do them brings us into an awareness, a focus of what we're about. So that's sacred actions. Then we've got sacred objects. The most well-known holy Catholic objects are blessed rosaries, holy water, scapulas, holy oils, the blessing of ashes that we use on Ash Wednesday and incense. Holy oils are a sign of spiritual strength and they're used in many rites within the church. The oil of holy chrism is used in the sacraments of baptism, confirmation and holy orders. And two other oils are the oil of catechumen and the oil of the sick. And of course, in addition to that, we have blessed objects that are used in our private devotions. Pictures of saints, icons, medals, statues, books, relics, Bibles crucifix. So the third type of sacramental are the prayers and the blessings. One of the principal sacramental prayer is the Liturgy of the Hours which is the common prayer of the church. Prayers such as exorcism prayers are also considered sacramentals and blessings play an important role in the lives of Catholics. We're all familiar with the final blessing given at the end of Mass which I might add is a very powerful blessing and sometimes perhaps not appreciated. And of course, we have the blessings given by priests at weddings and other special occasions. We have the blessing that we say over our children and also the blessings that we say over our food when we say grace before meals. In those areas, even lay Catholics can use blessings to bring some sacredness into their everyday lives. So sacraments then are signs that remind Catholics of their faith and help us to grow stronger in the faith. The Catechism states that there is scarcely any proper use of material things which cannot be thus directed towards the sanctification of men and the praise of God. And that's beautiful. It's bringing our faith into every part of our life. But it's good to remember too that sacramentals really aren't sacramentals unless they've been blessed by the church. So let's go back now and have a look at the tradition of scapulars. Now a scapula was a form of work clothing that was worn by monks. And it's draped over both shoulders and hung down the front and the back of the wearer the scapula gets its name from the shoulder bone or scapula that the garment rests upon. If we're trying to describe to someone what it looks like I suppose we could say it looks similar to a poncho garment that is worn in South America. The scapula then is a large garment but through the ages when used as a religious symbol it has become a very small tag of cloth typically today about the size of a matchbox and two of these are used so that the cloth rests against the back and the chest and they're attached to one another by two thin cords that rest across the shoulders. So there's mainly two types of religious scapulars. One we refer to as the green scapula or to give it its proper technical name the scapula of the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the other is referred to as the brown scapula, or more correctly, the scapula of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. So you can see that both of these religious scapulars are linked to devotion to Our Lady. So let's have a look at each of these now and see how they differ, and see what graces the Lord is offering us through these forms of devotion to His Blessed Mother. Firstly, the green scapula. Ten years after Our Lady appeared to St Catherine Labore in France and gave her the a Miraculous Medal, which we will cover later, Our Lady appeared again on the feast of her Nativity on September 8, 1840, entrusting the green scapula of her Immaculate Heart to Sister Justine, a French religious of the Daughters of Charity of St Vincent the Poor. And Our Lady promised that this new scapula would contribute to the conversion of souls particularly those who have no faith and would procure for them a happy death so the green scapula then is not part of a religious habit that has been handed down to us as in the case of the brown scapula in fact when our lady appeared to sister justine she was holding in her right hand her immaculate heart mounted by flames and holding in the other hand, a scapula. The scapula consisted of a small piece of green cloth, rectangular in shape, hanging from a green string. On one side of the scapula was an image of Our Lady, dressed in a long white gown, which reached down to her bare feet. Over this she wore a light blue mantle, and in her hands she held her heart, and from the top of which gushed abundant flames. Her bearing was enhanced by a majestic beauty all-heavenly. On the other side of the scapula was a picture of her immaculate heart, all ablaze and transparent as crystal, with rays pouring out that appeared more dazzling than the sun. This heart, pierced with a sword, was encircled by an inscription in the form of an oval and topped by a golden cross. And the inscription read, Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us, now and at the hour of our death. So then in 1863 and again in 1870, the green scapula was approved by Pope Pius IX. He said of this in regards to the scapula, Write to these good sisters that I authorise them to make and distribute it. So, how do we use the green scapula? Well, we can either wear or carry it. Again, that's a little different to the brown scapula, which needs to be worn. We can use it to help another. If they would not wear it, it's enough to place the green scapula in their vicinity, perhaps in their room. The third way we use the brown scapula is to pray, at least daily, Immaculate Heart of Mary, Pray for us now and at the hour of our death. Quoting the inscription. This prayer can be said for oneself and separately for each person to whom it has been given. Unless, of course, they pray the prayer themselves. And unlike the brown scapula, no enrolment of any kind is necessary. But each scapula should be blessed by a priest. As we mentioned earlier, then that's the case with all sacramentals. And finally, we should have confidence in the effects of the scapula. A Lady said that the greatest graces come from using the scapula but these graces come in direct proportion to the degree of confidence in me which the user has. So we're called to have great faith and trust in Our Lady. What are the benefits or the promises that are associated with the use of the green scapula? Well number one, the conversion of those who do not have faith. Number two, Reconciliation to the church for those who have lost or strayed from the faith Number three, the assurance of a happy death Number four, strengthening of the faith for those already in the church And number five, protection from Satan from those who wear it or promote the scapula The only requirement, as we said, is that the green scapula be blessed by a priest and worn or carried by the person wishing to benefit by it And as we said, if the person in need of grace is obstinate and doesn't want to wear the scapula, the green scapula may be placed secretly inside his home or his possessions. And the person giving the scapula should be the one who says the prayer. Now we look at the brown scapula, and it's probably the more common scapula that most of us are familiar with. The brown scapula, or the scapula of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, is intrinsically linked with the Carmelite order and the Descal Carmelite order. The large scapular garment is in fact the habit of these two orders. Now the Carmelites trace their roots in their name back to Mount Carmel which is found in the Holy Land and there in the 13th century a band of European men gathered together to live a simple life of prayer. And their first chapel was dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mount Carmel, of course, is a famous place with rich biblical connections with the prophet Elijah. He's quoted in 1 Kings as saying, I've been very zealous for the Lord, God of armies. So that text is often associated with the Carmelite order. Now, according to traditional accounts, Our Lady appeared at Cambridge, St. Simon Stock was born in England and was the prior general of the Brothers of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, who originally had their origins in Palestine and then relocated to Europe in the early 13th century. Now there are various controversies surrounding the vision of Our Lady that St. Simon Stock had. And one account describes the vision as follows. St. Simon was an Englishman a man of great holiness and devotion who always in his prayers asked the Virgin to favour his order with some singular privilege. The Virgin appeared to him holding the scapula in her hand saying this is for you and yours a privilege. The one who dies in it will be saved. Take this scapula. It shall be a sign of salvation a protection in danger and a pledge of peace. Whosoever dies wearing this scapula shall not suffer eternal fire. Our Lady continues, Wear the scapula devoutly and perseveringly. It is my garment. To be clothed in it means you are continually thinking of me and I in turn am always thinking of you and helping you to secure eternal life. So it goes without saying that the original context of this promise was for those who persevered in their vocation as Carmelites. But in the 16th century, the Carmelites began distributing brown scapulas to the laity and it became a very popular sacramental. Pope Benedict XV granted a partial indulgence to those who devoutly kissed the scapula. So how then do we interpret this promise that the one who dies in it will be saved? Well, the scapular is not some easy bus ticket to heaven. The correct way to understand it is that Mary's intercession either grants conversion, final perseverance, and or the last rites to the person who wears it to secure the assurances of the scapular promise. Another way to understand the promise is that the scapula is despised and so in rejecting Our Lady's promise they're not interested in wearing it. And yet another way of understanding it and this was the way of Saint-Claude-de-la-Colombier was that the scapula was somehow miraculously or otherwise be taken off the wearer of stubborn, unrepentant sinners. In the 1912 Catholic Encyclopedia it lists indulgences and privileges that are attributed to the Scapular Confraternity of Mount Carmel and was approved on July 4, 1908 by the Congregation of Indulgences. And once again we say this must not be understood superstitiously or magically but in the light of our Catholic teaching that perseverance in faith, hope and love are required for salvation the scapula is a powerful reminder of this Christian obligation and Mary's promise to help those who are consecrated to her to obtain the grace of final perseverance so the brown scapula then consists of two pieces of brown cloth now it's just the cloth it doesn't have to have any special image on it unlike the green scapula most time you find brown scapulars generally have an image of Our Lady on one side, but that's not an essential part of the scapula. So the two pieces of brown cloth then hang over the wearer's chest and at the back. Now in the past it was required that the scapula had to be 100% wool, but this is no longer required because the habits of the Carmelite religious are, are now typically made of material other than wool, less expensive and more durable it's worn under the clothes and it's not pinned to any other undergarments. Now there also is a scapular medal which was brought in because material particularly wool tends to deteriorate very quickly in the tropical climates. Pope Saint Pius X expressed his preference for the cloth scapula and Pope Benedict XV also proclaimed the church's strong preference for cloth rather than the medal. One of the conditions with the brown scapular is that we have to be enrolled unlike the green scapular. So any priest may invest any baptized Catholic with a brown scapular. Lay people cannot bless a scapular and there is a form for the blessing in the book of blessings which is found in most Catholic parishes. You can also find a blessing on the website of the Carmelite Order. And the short form of the investiture reads as follows. Receive this scapula, a sign of your special relationship with Mary, the mother of Jesus, whom you pledge to imitate. May it be a reminder to you of your dignity as a Christian in serving others and imitating Mary. Wear it as a sign of her protection and of belonging to the family of Carmel, Voluntarily doing the will of God and devoting yourself to building a world true to His plan of community, justice, and peace. So it's a lovely prayer. And once you're enrolled in the Carmelite scapula, you're enrolled for life. If your scapula wears out, you don't have to be re enrolled in the scapula. What does it mean, enrolled? Well, When we wear the scapula, it's a sign that we have a special devotion and consecration to Mary. So it's a very simple process to be enrolled in the scapula. They don't have to join any lists. There are no special daily practices that are obliged to do. But for someone who is consecrated to Mary, the scapula is of course the sign and they should live a chaste life according to their state and recite the rosary daily. Just one point about we were talking earlier about the medal when one is enrolled in the scapula you need to be enrolled with the cloth scapula and then afterwards you can wear the medal. The scapula then is a Marian habit or a Marian garment. It is a sign and a pledge a sign of belonging to Mary and a pledge of her motherly protection. It is a conventional sign signifying three elements. First, belonging to a religious family that's particularly devoted to Mary, especially the Carmelite Order. Secondly, consecration to Mary, devotion and trust in her Immaculate Heart. And thirdly, to try and become like Mary by imitating her virtues, and above all, her humility, chastity, and her spirit of prayer. There are many, many amazing miracle stories attributed to the Brown Scapula. I'll just share with you very briefly a few of these. In May 1957, in Germany, an entire row of houses had caught fire. The inhabitants of one of the houses fixed a scapula to the front door of their home. Five hours later, twenty-two homes on the block had burnt to the ground. Yet amidst the destruction, the home with the scapula attached to it stood unharmed. This miracle was witnessed by hundreds of people. Now Pope Blessed Gregory X, St. Alphonsus Ligore and St. John Bosco, all great saints, all died wearing the scapula. And then years later, when their graves were open, their bodies and their vestments had decayed, but the scapulars remained perfectly intact. Another story, in November of 1955, a plane carrying 27 passengers crashed in Guatemala. All the passengers died except for one young girl. She related that when the plane was going down, she clutched her scapula and cried out to Our Lady for help. She was burnt and her clothes were tattered and burnt as well, but the girl overall was unharmed. And her scapula was free of any burns. So, just a few beautiful stories there to inspire you. Pope Pius XII said, Let the brown scapula be your sign of consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, which we are particularly urging in these perilous times. The scapula is a practice of piety which, by its very simplicity, is suited to everyone and has spread widely among the faithful of Christ to their spiritual prophet. And Pope Paul VI said, Let the faithful hold in high esteem the practices and devotion to the Blessed Virgin, the Rosary and the Scapula of Carmel. And in another place, he referred to the Scapula as that which is so highly recommended by our illustrious predecessors. And when I think of the scapula myself, I think of a photo I saw of Pope John Paul II, blessed Pope John Paul II, as a young man working without his shirt, and you could see him wearing the scapula around his neck, boldly proclaiming that he was consecrated to Mary. And finally, when we look at Fatima, on October 13th, 1917, a lady appeared holding the brown scapula in her hand. And the three visionaries, Lucia, Jacinta and Francesco, understood that Our Lady wants us all to wear the scapula. And she said that the scapula and the rosary are inseparable. The scapula then goes back many, many hundreds of years, but even in Fatima, Our Lady is reinforcing it again for us in this age as a powerful weapon in the fight against evil and for the salvation of our souls. So, dear Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for all these wonderful gifts that you give us, these graces that you pour out to us through your Church and especially through your Blessed Mother. Help us, Lord, to see all of these gifts as your love calling out to us, calling our hearts, To unite our hearts with your mother. So that we can be united with you completely. Now and forever. All glory be to the Father. And to the Son. And to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning. Is now and ever shall be. World without end. Amen. Immaculate heart of Mary. Pray for us. Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Pray for us. Radio.org.au